Hi, and welcome to my podcast, The Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm glad you found me. I'm Renee Beery, and I love empowering women to take on home projects, both large and small. I have been the only girl on the job site for the past 27 years, and I have seen it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. With my help, I hope you will be able to avoid the mistakes I've seen in the past and go into your project confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your project is as smooth and successful as possible. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today, I wanted to talk to you all about the most frequently asked question I hear for every construction meeting I go to. And and this is often maybe the very first time I've met the client and or possibly the second time I've met the client, but the first time I have seen the, the project, whether it is architectural plans or whether it is the actual home and we're walking through. And nine and a half times out of 10, the question at the very end of this meeting is always, Renee, how much is this going to cost? Or Renee, what do you think my budget should be on this? And I look at them and I think, I know they want me to tell them some magical number that it's going to be $28,436.22. And trust me, I wish and everybody in my industry wishes we could actually do that. It would save so much time, heartache, aggravation, annoyance, uh, you name it but mostly time. The real truth is we're not hedging when we pause and try to collect our thoughts on an answer to see if we can inflate the number or try to hedge our bets and get it right. At least I pause because I don't know. And that is the truth, right? I have been doing this work for 27 years. And so for this podcast, we're going to take bathrooms as an example, because I have a couple of specific stories that I think will really help illustrate this point. So if we're talking bathrooms, I have seen bathrooms renovated for $20,000. I really have. Now, they're pretty basic. They're not that big. The selections weren't anything overly expensive. But at the end, the client was thrilled. And I've also been a part of bathroom renovations that have gone close to six figures and more. And obviously, they're much bigger rooms. They obviously are putting in all of the bells and whistles and great, you know, fantastic. There's nothing wrong with either of those projects. Now, what I typically tell a client is I may even use those two examples, but having seen the scope or seen the home and trying to assess kind of where I think, the operative word is think, their levels of selections will be, I'll give them a range, maybe midpoint or two thirds or whatever. But I always tell them that that's all it is. And for a while, until they nail down more and more of the details, that's all it's going to be. So inevitably, the look on their faces is a little confusion, a little disappointment, a little terrified, right? Because they expected me to give them a dollar and cents 
based on essentially one, possibly two meetings. And, and I caution you to, if someone is giving you a really hard number after one or two meetings because they're using a formula and formulas in my world do not work. I don't work in a formulatic world, right? Everybody's homes are different. The systems within those homes are different. The ages of the homes are different. The homeowners are different. The usage of the rooms are different. There are no formulas. So where does that take you? So that takes you to you doing more research. And I know I'm a very broken record and, and I don't apologize for it because research will save you during these projects. So you need to start doing research. Now, I challenge you to even put this podcast on pause, go and do a Google search on toilets and select shopping and just look at the range of costs simply for a toilet. So if you're talking again about a bathroom, you are looking at one, possibly two sinks, one, possibly two faucets, a toilet, possibly a tub. Maybe it's a soaking tub. Maybe it's a whirlpool tub. Then you've got a tub filler. That's the spout. Then you may have a shower tub combo. Then you need a shower setup or you need an independent shower setup. Now within a shower, are you going to do a handheld? Are you going to do a steam? Are you going to do body sprays? Are you going to do a thermostatic valve or are you going to just do a traditional mixing valve? And on and on and on. And I'm hoping, and I sped through that list because it's endless. You know, I didn't even start talking about the tiles or the lighting or mirrors or vanity. So as you can see, the pricing can go who knows where. It is specific to your project. So what I often see people doing that I'm not meeting with is they go immediately to a contractor. They think I need a contractor. Well, yes, of course they need a contractor unless they're going to do the demolition alone and things. And I don't really recommend that unless you have some sort of innate qualities or maybe you worked in construction at some point in your life. I have had that. I will say I, I just met with a couple and he had worked in construction in his 20s. Now he is no longer in his 20s. He is towards retirement, but he had some skills. Fine, go for it. But he also had enough knowledge to know that where he stopped. And, and that's where I wholeheartedly approve of something like that, right? When you know where you, your strengths are and you know when to stop and then bring in a professional. So sorry, that's a little off the topic. So in other words, people will call in the contractor. They'll do them the walkthrough and they'll say to the contractor, the same question they ask me, what do you think it's going to cost? Now the contractor is put in the same position as me. And some contractors might be pretty good at doing what I did, give them a range sort of in a price point they think that the client will be in, given what they see, the existing conditions, et cetera. Hopefully they will tell them that it's just simply a range and it's really premature to get your heart set on it. So the other problem is they'll move on to an estimate and a contractor will write up, you know, what he needs to do. And he can look at a project and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, need to demolish all of these walls. I'm going to need, you know, X number of wallboard. I'm going to need, the plumber's going to need whatever rough-ins for the plumbing, et cetera, et cetera. But then comes the quote, pretty stuff, right? All of the things I mentioned earlier, the toilets, the sinks, the faucets, the tile, the vanities, the lighting. He's not going to know in advance what you pick. Even if he's known you for some time, he's not technically going to know the very pieces you will pick. 
So there's two ways that I see pricing come out. One will be an estimate with just his carpentry costs. And that's actually my favorite way to see it because that is his skill set. Those numbers are real and reliable and can be budgeted for. Now on page two or the addendum, he needs to say, you need to go and get the plumbing numbers. You need to go and get the electrical numbers, et cetera, et cetera, the tile setters. And those will, on a smaller project, be individual estimates. But again, these people will be just giving labor. And those are real numbers. The larger contracts that I see will include everything. And and some smaller guys will as well. But most of them, I find, do not. They stay within their wheelhouse and they give their labor costs. And and as I said previously, I, I prefer it that way because those are actual numbers. But then that puts the responsibility on you to go out and get the other numbers sourced. And again, through your research that you know I'm always going to tell you to be doing. The larger contractors are going to come in and give you a full estimate, soup to nuts. And everybody thinks that it's, everybody meaning clients, think it's inclusive. Well, it's not. And it's inclusive of the items you may need, for instance, one faucet, one tub, one toilet, tiles, the number of square feet that you need for the floor, number of square feet where you need for the shower enclosure, and on and on and on. But unless they know what you are choosing, meaning you have handed them the item number of a faucet, they are going to use a term in my industry called an allowance. An allowance basically is a budget. And a budget or an allowance is created from a formula, an industry standard formula. Now, the problem with the industry standard is that standard doesn't exist. I'm told by all my contractors, oh, Renee, it's an industry standard. And I think to myself, yeah, but the contractor B down the street used a different formula. And they go, oh, well, I mean, this is one we use. So, There are no standards, in other words. They're using formulas. And what happens is a homeowner sees these allowances and the numbers look meaty enough and they think, well, this is what it must cost to do this. The guy has seen my house. The guy has been listening to what we want to do and therefore that's what we budget for. But here's the problem. It's an allowance. Now, it's not an allowance that you got when you were a child for mowing the lawn or cleaning the dishes. This is an allowance, meaning we're going to allow you up until this point to spend X. You go above it, that's on you. So let's say this estimate or contract came back at $35,000, but there was an allowance for $160 for a faucet. Okay. You go out to your plumbing supply or you go online and the faucet you fall in love with happens to be $260. And you think, okay, I love it enough. I'm going to spend that extra $100 and I'm going to get what I want. Okay, now you need two of them. So now you're at $200 above your, quote, budget. Now that's just the faucet. So what happens is allowance issues can snowball out of control. But the bigger problem is most clients I come in contact with later in a project never understood 
that the allowance was simply a formula. So I'm going to tell you about a story. I had clients that knew me well. We had actually been decorating on and off for a couple of years, and I knew they were going to do a large addition. And I kept saying to them, hey, if you need any help, this is in my wheelhouse, I can review the plans. And they'd say, you know what? We're good. We've got this great architect. We've got this great contractor. We think we really are in a good path. We'll call you. We know we'll need you. We're just not sure when. I said, fine. I'm not looking for work necessarily. So I, you know, if you don't need my help, I will move on to the projects that do need my help. And this went on. I would actually just bump into these, the husband in particular, a couple of times over the, you know, the course of a couple of months. And finally, he came and sought me out. And he said, Renee, I think I'm in over my head. I need your help. I said, I'm I'm happy to help. Let's see what let's see where you are and, and what's going on. And what happened was everything he had gotten through demolition. He had, you know, approved the plans and it was a considerably large addition. And it was a very reputable architect. So I, I knew they were in good hands. The problem was the contract was full of allowances. They were redoing three bathrooms. So you can imagine they use the same, let's for argument's sake, $160 per faucet. Well, one was a guest bathroom, one was their teenage son's bathroom, and one was their bathroom. Now, I have been doing this long enough to know that 95% of you will not use the same faucet in those three situations. I almost never have a client use the same faucet in their master bath that they use in their kid's bath makes sense, right? Why would you, you're going to want to trick out your own bathroom because you've, you're the one that have earned the money and now are spending it on yourself. You might downgrade for the kid's bath. Maybe you go middle grade for the guests because you want to, you know, ha- treat your guests nicely, whatever the case may be. So, but they're using the same formula for all three. So the bigger issue was all of these bathrooms were built in the eighties, 1980s, and they were the four inch by four inch ceramic tile that I know all of you have seen and can picture. They were One bathroom was that kind of light beige, almost a nude color. One of the bathrooms was pale yellow. And one bathroom was actually a really strange kind of peachy pink color. By the way, they had the matching toilets. They had the matching tubs, you know, the, the, the whole kit and caboodle. I think the vanities had been upgraded at some point, but they probably had matched at one time. So of course, right? You don't even look back, rip that sucker out, right? I want to improve it. Now, this client had his heart set on marble bathrooms and not even expensive marble bathrooms as I as it turns out. But of course, he'd had these four inch by four inch tiles and he wanted something nicer. It had been past its prime and get rid of it. So the bathrooms are gone. They're down to the studs. And he started to look for tile. And he took his allowances in with him, which was smart. Most people don't even do that. He took his allowance number in. He had the square footage. He divided it out and was given a cost per square foot. And in he goes and he's, you know, okay, let's go. Let's pick it out. And he starts looking at what he wants. And he's seeing that what he wants is more than double the cost per square foot that he was allotted in his allowance. So, of course, his first call was to his contractor. 
And he said, what is going on? Why can't, I mean, I'm not buying anything special. I mean, it's nicer, but it's by no means, you know, top shelf. And the guy, you know, rightfully so, at this point, he should have done this obviously months ago. He explained they use a formula. And for fun, I went on a search for what that formula cost per square foot would purchase, right? Because the homeowner said, well, maybe I should just spend that. So I went out on a search and guess what? He could replace his four inch by four inch ceramic tile with, guess what? Four inch by four inch ceramic tile. And I, at that point, reached out to the contractor and I said, listen, that's absurd. Why on earth would you think someone would spend the money to gut the bathroom and put back the same product? And he said, Renee, it's not my job to understand what they're going to put back in. He goes, this is the same formula I use on all my projects. This homeowner bid it out to three guys, three different construction teams. And he goes, and I know they use the same formula. He goes, Renee, if I put real numbers in there, my numbers will be skewed and I won't get the job. I'm pausing because I really want you all to hear that because that is normal. They use similar formulas so their numbers look similar enough that they have a shot at getting the job. So you're asking yourself, holy cow, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. My client was furious. He was furious with himself for not, well, for a variety of things. One, not seeking my help out when I had offered earlier. Two, for not understanding what he had signed off on. And three, that he was now literally, in his words, over a barrel. He had bathrooms that were down to the studs. He goes, Renee, I can't do anything except spend more money than I want to. Or compromise and basically put back in what he had. And he's like, what? The upgrade is that they're now white? And he wasn't trying to be funny. He was pissed. And I'll be honest, he really only had himself to blame. He signed off. This is an educated man. He signed off on something that he didn't fully understand. Now, in his defense, he trusted that the team he had brought on would I don't know what, evaluate, would ask probing questions. And to be fair, some of them do, but most of them don't because they truly have no idea, especially now. I know you, I'm hoping you did a Google search on any of the products you want, but you saw the vast array of numbers. That contractor, having met once or twice with a client, he has no clue what you're going to pick out. And he has no clue within that So let's say marble, there's an enormous array of pricing within the term marble. So even if my client had said, hey, I'm looking for marble, that doesn't give the contractor a whole lot more. He probably would have put a little bit more money in and therefore the other two bidding on it would have as well. But ultimately, he would never have gotten that number correct without the client giving them the exact selections in advance of the estimate. So He did move forward. It was a very rocky moment. Um, And by the way, in construction, moments last usually a couple of weeks because there was a lot of hurt feelings of frustration mixed with anger, which if you follow me enough, you know that anger on a project gets no one anywhere. 
And there was nothing I could do except help streamline the process to get past that point. So I know that sounds all miserable and you're sitting there going, wow, I feel terrible. The point of this is not to make you feel terrible. The point of this is to empower you before you find yourself in this client's position. And he's even said, he, you know, this was, gosh, I think this project was more than six years ago. And I see him around and he's like, Renee, I hope you're telling everyone about my mistake. And I said, actually, I do. I don't use your name, but I certainly tell them about the situation. And he goes, good, because it's ridiculous. And it is ridiculous. Now, I'm thinking he may have smoothed over the edges of his own participation in that level of ridiculousness because he didn't ask the right questions. But in his defense, I don't think he knew the right questions to ask. He went in way too trusting. And I, you know, probably you're sitting here going, well, shouldn't I trust the guys that are working for me? Absolutely. But you need to be able to trust the process. And by not understanding the process, you're putting your trust in an unknown, right? Does that make sense to everyone here listening? So if you don't understand the process, but you're trusting it, that only leaves you open for, for issues and problems down the road. And as this client found out, he was over the barrel. The walls were pulled out. He couldn't have said, you know what? I'm not going to do my kid's bathroom now. Put it all back. That doesn't work in my world. So the point I want to get across to everyone listening is I have this situation in my own town. There are maybe four or five really big construction companies. They get the, the really meaty projects. And then there's this one company, this standalone, and everyone says, oh, I could never use them. They're too, way too expensive, Renee. And for years, I had no experience with them um, other than to hear about them as, and they do beautiful work. And finally, I actually got to see one of their estimates for a client. And this was actually after the fact. That client became a client of mine after the construction was over. And we became friendly enough and we talked about their experience. And I, because I wanted to know from their firsthand experience, what made this construction company kind of get that almost a bad rap. And she let me look at the contract. And I'll tell you what I found. I found realistic numbers for the items we just talked about. So for a bathroom, I saw realistic numbers for toilets. I saw realistic numbers for faucets, sinks, vanities, et cetera. The list goes on and on. And I looked at her and I said, this is really interesting. I said, did you pre-select the things for this estimate and, and give him you know, all this information? And she said, no, I didn't. And I said, you know, again, like she and I were, she knew I was basically taking a forensic dive into this um, contract with her and she was more than happy to do it. And I said, well, how many meetings did you have before they developed this estimate? And she's, you know, thinking, she's like, well, it was probably about two, maybe three. And I said, okay. And she goes, one was at the architect's office and two were here at the house because they had done an addition. So the house existed. And I'm thinking to myself, so they only saw the house twice. They met the homeowner three times. And therefore, they only saw the client's existing style, um, taste, et cetera, twice. And they came up with, and they came up with a pretty realistic uh, estimate on all of these items. And I said to the woman, I go, how much over budget did you go? And she said, well, all in. Now, this was a big addition, so there, you know, there are going to be structural issues and other you know, items aside from just the pretty things. But she said, all in, we went about 10% over. I was like, wow, that's incredible. 
And it dawned on me, I said, now I know why these guys get the rap for being expensive. It's because they're willing to do the real work of figuring out, okay, let me look at this client's home. This woman, okay, she's got a kitchen. It's got marble in it. And yep, I don't see any ceramic. I don't see any porcelain. I see some polished nickel. Okay, I know what level of finishes she's going to do. And guess what? When they're going up against other local construction companies in a bidding situation, their numbers are coming in too high. So everyone dismisses them immediately. Oh, they're crazy. Can't possibly cost this much because company B and company C say it's going to cost 20% less. I have been dying to do this, but I've been dying to take company B and C's final numbers. I mean final, meaning the original estimate, all of the change orders, the additional time spent, and compare it with the original estimate from this other contractor. My best guess after all these years in the business is that they'd be the same. And so company A doesn't want to hurt their reputation because trust me, when these companies come in way under budget on the, with these allowances, who do you think the clients bash at the next you know, event with their friends, they're going to bash their contractor and say, Hey, you know, he screwed me with, with the plumbing. I, you know, I'm, my wife went out and found things that were 20% over budget and I was forced to get it. Yeah. That other company, I don't know a single client of theirs that has been dissatisfied with their work. So being an independent interior designer, I don't align with any one construction company, right? So I, I actually, over a five-year period, probably work with all of them. I've even worked with company A at, at this point now, and it is. It's a very different experience. And so I know all of the big players, right? And, and we're friendly. And so I joke, but I'm really not joking, that what I want to do one morning is hire a party bus. I'm going to put them all on there so they can all get to know each other. So there's a little more camaraderie and a little less competition. And I'm going to take them to the local plumbing supply store. And I'm going to say, hey, guys, this, and I'm going to, you know, big waving hands. This area over here is where my clients are looking. Do not look behind you. Those are the inexpensive pieces that they're ripping out and replacing. Can you guys all go over here and agree to a formula that will work for the upcoming bids that you guys are all going to do against each other? And then we, I joke that we're going to go on to the flooring you know, supply house and do the same thing and on and on and on to the tile and everything else. And they all laugh when I tell them this and they say, okay, sure, Renee, I'm in if you ever do it. And I will say I'm, I'm tempted one year to just actually do it and, and really you know, go through with my threat. Because the only people that will win is everyone. And I mean everyone. The contractors will win. They won't look like they're taking advantage or undercutting or whatever the you know, term is that my clients will use. And the clients will win because they'll have actual numbers that they can budget for in advance and not, as my client said famously, feel like they're over a barrel. And doesn't everybody win in that case? Now, the downside is I think people will be stunned at how much things actually cost because they're not doing the research in advance. They're not seeing that the toilet they really want is $600 and not the $300 one that they saw at Lowe's. Now, is there a huge difference between the two? Don't know, right? We don't know what he is, what this one client is loving about the $500 toilet. Hell, they're toilets that are $5,000. 
right? How is a contractor in their defense to know in advance where they're going to be? Now, maybe 1% of all clients are going to want that $5,000 toilet, but maybe that's the project that this contractor is estimating. And how on earth is he going to know unless he's told? So keep in mind, this episode is not beat up on contractor episode. I really mean that. The contractors and I are colleagues. We're teammates. And, and I take that role very seriously. But I also understand that they're not helping themselves and their industry by using these allowances based on random formulas because they're ending up to be the bad guys. Now, I understand their rationale that, sure, if you're going to bid your project, if they know that you're bidding your project to three different companies and they know that those other companies are going to use a formula, unlike company A that I was talking about, the majority of them don't want to run the risk of being turned away simply because they use, quote, real numbers. They're going to use the same formulas so that it's an apples to apples scenario because they know that's what the client's expecting. They know that that's, quote, industry standard. And so my entire effort through this podcast, through every episode, through every post you see, through everything that comes out of my mouth, whether it's on social, whether it's in an email, whether it's online, whether it's through his podcast, is to educate people in advance so that they can go in eyes wide open. And I'm not saying you won't get tripped up somewhere. I can't possibly guess all of the intricate ins and outs of every project. But by giving this overall 30,000 foot view of my industry, I hope and pray that there will be far fewer people that are upset and angry and disappointed in themselves, in the contractor, in the project. Now, that client of mine, he got over it. He loves his bathrooms, but I have a feeling he still grumbles periodically about it. And I know for a fact that he got calls from friends after the project looking for references on the construction company. And he was very honest. And I know personally that they didn't get a shot at one other project because I was on that project. And they said, oh, after I heard that, mm, nope, wasn't going to call them. And I thought, good call, but you knew now. So you actually could have called them because the situation would never have happened again. Or I shouldn't say never, because never, as I tell my kids, never is a big word, but it was less likely to happen because they knew in advance where this other guy had gotten tripped up. So logic would have it, do that homework. Don't get tripped up in the same pitfall that this other guy did. But guess what? The contractor lost twice, right? He lost because he upset his client. And there's no winning when that happens. Even if the project finishes beautifully, there's really no winning. And two, he lost future work. Now, I have no idea how many other people have called this guy and asked for references. And presumably, he will give the same reference each and every time. So in the end, was it worth it? In my opinion, no, of course not. Because to me, knowledge is power. I don't walk into projects and, and not explain and quite frankly, over explain as you're learning, I'm sure from podcasts, love to talk. I love to explain situations because if they're as knowledgeable as me, everybody wins. There's no upside to keeping secrets in what I do for a living. None, only downsides. 
So in order to go forward with whatever project you're in, and and trust me, let me jump in and say, if you're mid-project right now, go back quickly, get out your contract, find what's coming down the pike, look at those numbers that are under the allowance or budget or whatever the term they're using. And often it'll say to be selected by homeowner. Okay, so if it says budget and it says to be selected by homeowner, ding, 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 that's your red line right there. And I probably should tell you this as well. They are sometimes over budget, but 90% of the time they're under budget. Or in one case, actually, we were just finishing up a project. They had budgeted for custom vanities in all the bathrooms. And three of them were kid bathrooms. And the client's like, I do not need to do a custom vanity for my kids. Let's go find a pre-made one. We found a pretty high quality one. Of course, we're not going to buy the cheapest thing we can do. But we saved about 300 bucks in each of those line items. Now, trust me, she took those 300 bucks and she dumped it into her master bath budget and still spent the same amount of money. But guess what? She got to spend it more in the master bath for her. So I'm not saying they're always under, but traditionally they are, or they're right on the line. And if you nudge too far over that line, boom, you've got a change order and you're spending more money. That may be a conscious choice, but I want to make sure it's a conscious choice and not one that you feel, to steal that phrase one more time, over a barrel to make. So if you run into this or if you're listening to this and now having a panic attack because your project is underway, go back quickly. Look at your numbers. Start doing the research immediately. Knowledge is power. So the minute you know, you can take control of the situation. Maybe you pair back on something else. Maybe you move forward now with A and not B, you know, whatever the case may be for you. But go ahead and take a look now. And if you're starting a project, again, research, I am a broken record. You're going to want to start now. You're going to want to start going to look, go sit on that toilet. Which one do you really want? Because $200 may not seem like a big deal right now, but if you're doing a $30,000 project and you're off the mark for 10 items into for $200 each, okay, you're now at a $32,000 budget. Maybe that's no big deal. Maybe that's a deal breaker. You know, you're going to have to decide that on your own. So always feel free to reach out to me. I'm accessible through email, direct message on social media. And lastly, I have taken all of this information in even more detail and put it into my course, Only Girl on the Job Site, because the entire purpose of that course is to empower women to take on projects with knowledge and confidence. And this is just one topic that we take on. There's five modules. There's over 20 lessons. There's bonus modules. There's so much information in there. It's a go at your own pace course. So you're not overwhelmed. You can go back and listen to things. And the most amazing part is I've included a private Facebook group. So you can get in there, get support, not only from me, because I'm in there all the time. I'm doing lives once a month, doing Q&As with everybody in there. But there are people just like you doing projects similar to yours. They may be ahead of you a few steps. They might be behind you a few steps. There's just so much ability to share and learn from others. It's priceless. It's really priceless. And quite frankly, I love that. I love the exchanges I have with people about their particular projects. It's what I do. It's what I love. And and it's what I know really well. 
So if you have any questions, you can always get on a call with me. You can jump on the website, onlygirlonthejobsite.com, or you can go on my website, davinyadesign.com, and find out all the information. Uh, Or you can always email me if, if you can't figure one of those two out, and we'll get you all set up. So thanks again for joining me. I really hope that you all leave this episode with such knowledge of budgets and allowances and how to avoid the pitfalls that I've sadly seen and been a part of in the past. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to our next time together. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to me. You can email me or direct message me through social media, and we can start a conversation about what it is you're going through right now. That will also help me come up with other ideas for future podcasts that I can share with everyone, as I assure you, we're all in the same boat together. I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. If you would like to find out more about me and what I can do, please go to my website, www.devignedesign.com. Thanks for listening and I hope to hear from you soon.